Hello again, and welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. And hey there, I'm your sick host, Shelly Prevost. Uh, I think you sound pretty sexy. (laughs) Shelly, you know, you know, social media addiction is a real thing. Wouldn't you agree? I would. And some people go to considerable lengths to stop. One, we can call the programmer, had an unusual way of weaning himself off Facebook. Manish Seti, a computer programmer, hired a woman at $8 an hour to slap him in the face every time he tried checking Facebook during working hours. And guess what? He says it worked. He, he says she really did have to slap him and it quadrupled his productivity. Okay. Does it help? <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I can feel I, it working already. I literally would do that for free. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, you just did. Uh, anyway. Well, uh, hey, before we jump into the great resignation topic here, is there anything else that we want to say about what's happening at Big Self right now? Uh, Big Self is just trucking along. I am, uh, we have spots for one-on-one clients. So if you're looking for some extra support Mm. as we round out the year, um, yeah. And then we're also really picking up with some trainings here locally in Chattanooga, Enneagram, and also just kind of emotional fitness trainings and burnout. Um, So if any of that is a need, please reach out to us and happy to talk to you. Yep, still uh, still booking a few people here at the top of Q4. Anyway, today, talking about the great resignation. What does that mean? It's, you know, where does it come from? So we're going to hit on that, what's causing it, and some of our uh, takeaways. Yeah, this is something that um, I know it's a new term, but it's been coming up in many conversations I'm having personally with people and that I'm also seeing happen in just kind of professional circuit. So I think it's a, it's a thing that needs to be talked about. Is it a trend or a fad? Well, it's trending. And anyway, what it is, it's a term first used by, let's give credit where credit is due, Anthony Klotz. He's a psychologist and an associate professor of management at Texas A&M, go Aggies University during, and he's said it first during an interview with uh, Business Insider, I believe it was. And, you know, basically it just describes this profound shift in the way Americans mostly, but I, I, I would say it's probably a global phenomenon, but we're going to say Americans are viewing their relationship to work at least over the past four months. You know why four months? I don't know. Well, because we get you know, statistics from the Bureau of, of Labor Statistics. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so starting back in April, just about 4 million workers quit Hmm. for four months in a row. This is historical. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's so interesting. Like back in 2010, so 11 years ago, I remember hearing the statistic, Mm -hmm. I think from my good friend, Tiffany Robinson, who was doing a lot around recruiting and talent and future of work. And I I think I remember her saying by 2020, 40% of the workforce would be 
remote. Oh, And yeah. I was like, how is that going to happen? Like, that's a lot of people working remotely. That's right. Back in the day when you were the director of happiness. Yes, yes. that is right. But well, and we know the pandemic happened. That and so is right. That, that is sped things up. What's ushered in a lot of this. Yeah. So I heard about it a long time ago and thought it was near to impossible that we'd be here. Yeah, it just took a pandemic. So anyway, <laughs> the the first uh, theory of like what is causing this great resignation is is this economists are calling it the missing quits, because so in other words, during a pandemic, you know, people they're they're going to hunker down. They're not going to quit their jobs. And mm-hmm. also for that matter, I would also think you know I understood that a lot of bosses and managers were kind of in wait and see mode with what was happening. You know, it wasn't going to look real good if they were like firing people if they just didn't really have to. Sure. Yeah. So, but, um, so they call the missing quit. So, and you know, and I think that is playing a big role, but here's another reason. And it's one that is near and dear to your heart. (laughs) It's the subject of burnout, Uh, feeling burned out. Yes. You know, because obviously some industries, uh, have been hit with burnout way harder than others. I mean, would you want to be a frontline healthcare worker in, in the pandemic? Oh, heck no. Golly, the stress and the burnout there, but also retail and leisure, like, you know, lots being put upon them, lots of mask arguments. Yeah. Well, the thing is with burnout too, it's chronic stress. And so I think a lot of these uh, industries were already like, you know, boiling little, this low grade boil of stress. And then you throw a pandemic on top of that and more and more people, um, they're just not getting the support they need to sustain this level of stress for sure. Nice. Yes. Uh, and there, it's also in tech, um, that we're seeing a lot. We've, we've been seeing, I think also we could maybe call it a great migration. A lot of people leaving the coasts, um, and those dense centers like San Francisco, New York, and they're moving to Bozeman, Montana, Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, yep. a lot, a Miami, lot of, a lot of moving to Miami, Miami. I've never been there. I, I, th- I that's one, one place uh, I'd really love to I visit. I was there briefly without you. I was at a mm. conference, a virtual or a venture conference. Did you there. hit the South beach? Uh, actually I did. We had, we, we did dinner there and this really cool Cuban little Did you go dancing? Uh, no. I was going to say, this is getting bad. I think, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think All I, right. I was already well into my 40s. So no, that's not stopping d- you. Dinner was done. I was ready for bed. All right. Well, anyway, so I think some economists are still predicting that there is a substantial amount of these missing quits left in the system. We're going to get to some other cultural things, but that, that's, and, uh, you know, and let's give some stats here for the people. According to the authoritative Gallup research, 48% of employees are actively looking to make a change now. And also, according to Personia research, nearly one out of four are going to do so in the next six months. So those looking for new opportunities are going to find like a lot of openings because apparently there's about an all-time high of 10.1 million job openings So can we just like break this down? Yeah. Brass tacks here. I love it. Your people are looking for another job. <laughs> oh, wow. You are kind of when, throwing well, down the gun. When you look at that statistic, unless they're real happy mm-hmm. where they are, yeah. 
they're making real good money. They feel there's a meaningful kind of outlet for the work they're doing. Um, most of the folks are are looking if if the, if the conditions are not good, if mm-hmm. they're bad, mm-hmm. people are looking for a way to get out. So just, I mean, just let's just let's just yeah. say what it is. I mean, they like this probably is, always are, but now, well, now really, yeah. we're in the in this environment where. We were just talking about this. We know somebody who's not super thrilled where they're working. Yeah. And they've got lots of opportunities elsewhere. And so, of course, they would look for a place that better fits their lifestyle, their values, the way that they want to live their life. Yeah, because, okay, so another thing we've been, you know, thinking about is that a lot, you know, America, so let's talk about it on the micro, micro level, just the employee, the person like, you know, taking the job that, you know, they've uh, ever since they, the, a lot of these people have transitioned to the home, there's been this radical shift in like, oh, you know, like this is what it's like to be home more, not have to have a difficult commute. Uh, I can, you know, kind of. Make I'm actually more effective when I work at be. home. Yeah. yeah. Um, and well, that it does bring up the example you just mentioned. Yeah, I know this. Um, you know, high level tech uh, employee, not not quite an executive, but you know, he's he's he manages people, and uh, he's making great money in, in the tech industry, making really good money, took a long time, had a lot of options. And, you know, he's been there for about a year and they do, this company does, they're, they're a multi-billion dollar company. They do on the surface, they do all these right things. They, in, on Labor Day weekend, they don't just give you the one day off, they give you the Friday off too. They have volunteer type, like where they let you get time off to volunteer. There's just, they, they, buy you very expensive computers. They do, there's lots and lots of perks. And yet, because of the, the, the dysfunction from the executives, people are frustrated. And when they, it seems like the executives just keep, they are so out of touch. They don't really know what's going on on the ground and they just make declarations. And then you're left to kind of pick it up knowing what is working and what's not and not being listened to. And this person, he's like, look, I mean, I can hang in there till the end of the year, but you know, for a year, but I might like, I can get another job anywhere and I'm working from home. Right. And I think, I mean, the way that you just framed that when we were talking about it, the upper management's not listening to the problems that they're seeing. And so it's something like, you know, we feel like if we invest all this money and time into these perks, when really the simple answer is people just want to be heard. They want, you know, if there's a problem, they want it to be listened to and they want to be like ensured that you're thoughtfully thinking through a solution. So it really does at the end of the day, it just comes down to basic kind of emotional, relational skills (laughs) that we just, we forget are that critical in, in a work environment. It really is. Sometimes it's just that simple. I like that. I mean, you know, one thing that comes to mind about this whole shift is the very way you know, we think about what it sometimes takes for an individual to make significant changes in their life. You know, it takes a shock. It takes a, 
slap mm-hmm. like you just gave me. You know, a, a death in the family, uh, an illness. We talk about these things, some kind of catastrophe. Uh, and that is what has happened here on, I would say, the collective level, the macro level. And so maybe it's possible that real change could be upon us. Real change. Because there's been a real catastrophe and shock. What, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, what do I think? I would like to be that optimistic. <laughs> um, I, you know, at the end of the day, we are still a capitalistic economy. We are um, largely yep. built on a meritocracy, whether you agree with it or not, is functions. And so I, I think there's a lot of uh, deeper questions and people that maybe never thought about, how, you know, these kind of essential skills in a workplace, they're starting to ask that question. Like, how do I retain talent when people could go anywhere else? And it's actually the simple stuff that, that most up in management positions and leadership positions don't have to really think about because they're focused on the bottom line. And that tends to be what the, dri- they don't the, think they have the to. driver. So I, do I think a big shift will happen? I think a, there is some shifting happening, but will it last? Um, I think as long as we're a capitalistic structure and that's how we're kind of built on that, I don't know that hmm. there will be huge everlasting shifts that happen. Well, I, I we'll hope see. Save your takeaways till we get to our takeaways. I'm a little cynical. Well, but- first of all, yeah, I know, I know because, you know, well, first of all, I just wanted to say, well, are companies like, are we seeing companies responding in any significant way to address this shift? And, you know, and so, like, okay, so a little context, I think, is first of all, this, you know, what is happening has, is breaking another strong historical trend because for five decades, that is quite a while. I mean, going back five decades, I mean, you're going back to like Led Zeppelin 2. You know, like, I mean, classic rock. For five decades, wages have been declining for the American worker. And there have been, you know, just so many things. If you think in our capitalistic structure working against us, we still don't have any kind of, you know, mandated paid leave. There's been a lot of talk, um, you know, when I was uh, covering the supply chain, just about the, you know, gig workers and the independent contractor models and how those, you know, people are, are, they have no benefits. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trends that have been working against the American workers. So I think wages are going to start being increased, but we know that that's not going to just be enough. You know, And also, you know what? If your company's like, you know what? We need beer Fridays now and we need ping pong tables. That ain't going to get it done either. No, that's just lipstick on a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, right? I, Especially if most of your top downs aren't participating in the ping pong and and the beer, and then you're just kind of th- then they're kind of looking at you. Oh, you're the ones participating in the beer Friday. Yeah, I think that the 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 thing that I'm hearing the most working with companies and organizations right now is how it is critical to be mm. listening to your people. It is so important because yep. you cannot assume to know what they need, not only just to stay, but to do their best work. 
and I was leading a workshop uh, just yesterday, actually. And this, you know, one of the activities we did was, you know, if you were given, if you were given five hundred dollars as an investment in in your culture, what would you spend it on? Oh. And it was such a great little thought exercise and brainstorming. And it was really amazing the things that the every that was the whole organization, what they came up with. And like one of the things was hire somebody or get a volunteer even. We don't have to pay anybody. We can get a volunteer to come in. This is a nonprofit. Yeah. To uh pick up the phone and answer the door because they have so many people that ring that come to their door every day. Oh yeah. That disturps them and they lose yeah. focus and they can't get back to you know I've had that experience too. Yeah. So things that that I don't know that if you're settled up above, perched up above everybody, uh, focused on your results and your revenue, you're really thinking about those, those conditions that are happening on the ground for people and how do you make them better. So ask your people. It's, sometimes, it's just that simple, asking and then mm-hmm. hearing what they have to say. But if those people are, are already in a little bit of a culture of fear then it's going to be hard to tell the truth. That's, then you have to address the fear first. Yeah. And if it's not safe to tell the truth, then absolutely nobody will be. You know, I've been hearing about a little bit of a trend where like some companies are calling it, you know, career transparency. So sort of from the beginning, uh, they want to talk, they want to have an ongoing open communication with the employee about, you know, basically just kind, just kind of keeping the doors open for like, hey, are you satisfied with what you're doing? What would you like to try something else? You know, um, is this the trajectory? Kind of keeping them in house, but being willing, I think, to try other things. I think that's great. So that's part of the listening, I think, that you were uh, talking about. You yeah. know, there's a lot, like if you go to um, Harvard Business Review, you know, I've seen a number of articles on like, this is what you can do, one, two, three, and four. And, you know, but none of them to me are like just standout options. It does so, sort of boil down to listen be a, to, be a good human. Be yeah. a good person. And that is one of those things that's hard, easier said than done. It takes work. It takes a process, right? Well, here's what I'll say. People are mm. the most expensive, Ooh. the most complex, and the most valuable asset of your company. Wow. Say but that. That's a takeaway. Take the, people are the most expensive, complex, and valuable asset of your company. But mm. here's the deal. Okay. Most of the time, they're the least understood and the least invested in. So they are the yeah, most valuable least, asset. Mm-hmm. And anybody in any leadership role knows that. Our people are critical. But yet, how much are we investing our time in, in relating to them, listening to them? And how much are we actually investing our resources in their own development? Yeah. Like those are these intangible kind of non-quantifier things that are so important. And it's like the subtext of a culture, the, the, the unconscious of a culture. Nobody can say what it is or put their finger on it, but you feel it. Hmm. And those are the things I think are implicit when people are staying or leaving because they're either getting that, they're getting fed that way, they're feeling connected, they're doing meaningful, important work, they feel valued, they feel like they matter yeah. or not. 
they don't feel those things. I think there's a little bit of nuance here too, because we've been talking about it almost from sort of the top down of like, what can managers and companies do? But there's also the individual, you know, in, in previous episodes, we've explored the concept of calling and, you know, there's like, so, but you know, there's also to even muddy the water a tiny bit more, there's the idea of does our job have to be our identity? I mean, in America, we really do place a lot of, you know, identity and a lot of importance on what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's how we like, that's what we'd say at a party. Well, hey, what do you do? And, you know, and then that's like who you are. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I don't think that's what's contributing to this great migration though, or resignation. Why? I, I don't, I don't I think do. it's, I don't know that it's a sense of like calling. I don't feel oh, called to this work no. or I feel called to something else. I think it's just dissatisfaction. So the, the, the bar yeah. I think is still pretty low in terms of if I'm not doing the work I, I believe I need to be doing yeah. or, um, that it's contributing in any kind of meaningful way, or I don't really know that. No one tells yeah. me that. That I think is t- to me what's happening here culturally. I don't know oh, that I it's agree. so much about feeling called to a different line of like well, work. Let's put it this way. I don't think I agree with you that I don't think so- people are suddenly, you know, getting all like Frederick Beekner and considering, you know, uh, what is their heart? How does their heart enjoy meet the world's great need? Uh, but I, I do think that there is a lot of re-evaluation. Yes, going I would agree on. with that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it's it's holistic though too. It's not it's not just my job in isolation. It's now I have um, kids that I need to be thinking about, and yeah. are they? thriving and I've got aging parents, you know, at least, you know, our generation, we've got like, there's so many more complexities that work just happens to be one of many instead of the only thing to consider. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, I'm kind of like you in the way that I, I'm not sure I see, okay. From the data and the great resignation, do I see permanent change? Uh, I mean, I certainly, like I suggested earlier, I see this as being a collective shock to the system and an opportunity. But, it, you know, I have to admit that when the pandemic finally lifts, uh, in many respects, I it's very easy to see things kind of resuming back to normal. Uh, here's what I would say. However... You know, here's my however. I think that there can be lessons learned here for some places, for some people, that mm-hmm. it could be lasting. Uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think a big question is going to be what happens when companies are like, you've been at home long enough, it's time to come back to the office. <laughs> Like what, what, you know, are the, you know, are people happy at home? I think some are, or, you know, but I think a lot of people, uh, I think they do want to get out of the house. I think definitely what I'm hearing more and more of is hybrid model is really what people are asking for and flexibility. It's not all or nothing. It's like, you know, trust me to do my job and do it well and wherever that needs to be and however that needs to look. And I think there's a way to structure that, that it meets the results yeah. and the goals, but it also 
it is more um, enhancing <laughs> of their well-being as well. I think it, it would depend on, you know, sort of my opportunities. Like if I was able to get land, you know, big, big tech gigs and I could just keep living in some super awesome place. I would be like, I'm taking this stay at home thing, hmm. you know, but I do, I, I, I wouldn't want to just, you know, in most cases I like to get out a little bit. If it's a modest commute, little separation from the work and the home. I like the psychological distance of that personally. Uh, no offense, uh, it's great working with you here. Thanks. Uh, yeah. yeah. I feel no. that. <laughs> I think um, the, the, but the, the, the point is people mm, are mm. adults and <laughs> can manage that time mm. as long as those expectations are clear and those kind of what the results need to be. I think we can trust people to manage their schedules because some people just are like, leave me alone and let me do my thing at home. Yeah. That's how they work best. A lot and of Enneagram some people, yeah, a lot of other numbers too. Yeah. But some people do their best work when they're thinking Focused. and having these collisions with other people. Oh. So it's yeah. it's like they know their their personality best and and how do we work with that instead of just kind of lump it all together into a policy. But you know those managers and CEOs that are like as soon as they know they're paying high rent to have everybody come in and you know as soon as they can say justify oh you're you're able to come into the office it's a slippery slope right it's like oh but now you think that you're better off staying at home a little bit huh Well it's it's definitely complex and yeah. that's when you're in the you know working with human beings it is complex. <laughs> like it's human not, beings are. Yeah, it's uh, welcome to the human race. We are not. We um, can't slide us into slots and then just be you know forget about it. Like there's just a lot of nuance and a lot of figuring things out. That's why I think these conversations need to be happening all over organizations, um, top down, bottom up, sideways, whatever. Because people have a lot of really good opinions and want to contribute. Yeah. to the conversation if we're listening. I wonder if, last thought, I wonder if there will be, you know, like, you know, it's a very, America, we live, it's very stressful. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stress we put on ourselves and there's a lot of this like, you know, do the inner work to go be a high achiever. And I think at big school, like one of the, you know, big self school, one of the things that we're, we promote is like, yes, do the inner work. But is it so that you can necessarily get back in there and go be a high achiever? And I, I mean, for some people, maybe there's your high functioning. And after you get a few things straight within, you're able to go do that more joyfully. But I, I think, I hope that there's just a great reconsideration hmm. sort of, of mm -hmm. why, why, what are you going in high, what, what, do, what needs to be high achieved? Do you, you need to be better than everybody else or like what? What's the motivation? Right. Yeah. I think that's the better question. I mean, the whole premise of big self is that it's, you know, it's based on a Zen Buddhist concept that we have a, a big self, which is our higher consciousness. It's the higher self. Yes. It's the wise kind of um, a transcendent, if you want to call it that self mm -hmm. uh, above ego. And then the little self they say is the, the ego. 
It's all these kinds of things that we attach to our identity, things that we need. So I think the goal for for me has always been, for us has always been, do this inner work almost to to rise above, to transcend kind of those material ego needs that we all have because we're humans, but so that you can pull out of that and kind of um, do do. I, I'll say bigger work, but I'm not saying that in this like high achieving bigger work. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it in terms of impact, yeah. like being authentic, doing impactful work that's fully from who you are instead of only from the ego, which is what I think a lot of, a lot of us get sucked in and trapped into. Well said to follow up the yeah motivation behind needing to go be a high achiever. You know, we actually came up with a bumper sticker, go big and go home. Bef- right before the pandemic. I don't know that we came up with that. Oh, I, saw I thought it. that was original. I, I don't, I think I saw it somewhere. I'm sure I saw it somewhere. Oh. That's way too creative for me to come up with. Okay. Um, and I actually had someone ask me about it yesterday. They're like, I've always seen it go big or go home. And so I had the opportunity to explain <laughs> that yeah. we believe you can have both. Preach. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening to uh, this episode of the Big Self Podcast. Hope you got some great takeaways here. If you want to check out anything more that we've got going on, of course, check us out at thebigselfschool.com. We've got all kinds of services, freebies, and different kinds of cool things. Lots of goodness there. And always reach out. If you have questions, you want to work with us, we'd love to chat. Talk to you soon. Bye.